So if you set up to invest and you're only looking at an investment outside of the real estate market, like in, in a small business or a franchise, we love franchises, by the way, of around 100,000. And in real estate, you're looking at about 250 to 300 out of pocket. So for around 100,000, you can own a business, run that business, hire people and create your own destiny. I don't know about you, but to me and Ruben, I know that sounds a whole lot better than having someone else be in control of your destiny. Who's this? Oh, you're an entrepreneur? Oh, you're a real estate investor. Oh, you're trying to learn from those who did it. Well, come into the lab then. Put your white coat on, gloves on, notepad, and let's build y'all. Real estate experiment, what is happening y'all? Today I have the pleasure of having Lauren Cohen step into the lab with us. And I have to say we're, we're, we're certainly overdue, Lauren, just because uh, when you and I connected, it was end of 2021, you were able to add so much value to me and you really spoke dearly to me as well. So I definitely want to have you back into the lab, as we call it. But I got to give you the introduction that you deserve because you're, you've done so much in our space as investors. And, and I think you're really serving a unique niche, which is what we always talk about here in this episode brought to you by investtalent.com. We talk about niching and serving people. And Lauren is, is just so qualified right now to be on this episode uh, again you you come from a very interesting background lauren you know being a you're you're a lawyer you're also a licensed realtor you work with investors in yourself you had a hiccup uh at the time that kind of really sparked this uh this kind of you going down this avenue and serving multiple people and at the same time you really help we were just talking about this offline coming up with a structure on how to help investors invest across the border with, again, easy to do, but at the same time, there's a, you know, it's easy to do when you have the right person, the right guide and the right team like yourself to do it uh, because there's a lot of, uh, you know, pitfalls and potential oversights that you might see. So first of all, I want to welcome you into the lab. Thanks for making the time. Uh, and, and and it's such a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing today, Thank Lauren? Thank you. I'm, I appreciate being here. I appreciate you accommodating my schedule, and it's a pleasure to be here as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we were just talking about this, and we talked about this, uh, you know, personally as well. You know, I'm a Canadian here in the U.S., and with that, there, you know, one might think, okay, how do I get into the U.S. market? Because as we know, the U.S. market has definitely a lot of advantages when it comes to investing. You know, when I'm looking across the, you know, my window here, a multifamily, I mean, there is, there's, there's, I don't think if there's a higher concentration of multifamily apartments uh, anywhere else uh, when it comes to this kind of product. But then there's also single family, there's duplexes, there's short-term rentals, who are your services for, Lauren? Who do you serve and who are they not for? <laughs> so um, I, 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 I'm definitely much more niche than I was in the past. And until two weeks ago, 90% of my clients, 80% of my clients were from Canada. I work with people from all over the world. Why Canada? Well, I am from Canada originally, just like Ruben, and I'm actually a dual citizen. And um, like he said, I hit some pitfalls of my own. My now ex-husband was deported on the way back from our honeymoon to Thailand. And um, that is what prompted me to get started on my immigration path, not my personal immigration path. I was already on that. So I got my green card and he 
was denied his and you know the rest is history but it did force me or cause me to to think and ponder and figure out what did I want to do and I really wanted to find a way to help other people avoid a similar fate I wrote a book in 2017 called um, finding your silver lining in the business immigration process I've also written a book on franchises and how they franchise and how foreign investors make such awesome franchisees because they really do because they're driven and motivated as Ruben and I are. Um, but really, I think my target is people that are looking to do things the right way. So there are people that are always looking for a quick buck and they are never going to work with me. But the people that want to make sure that they set up the right structure and have all the right steps in place and all the right people and professionals and are willing to spend a little bit of money to avoid problems later and avoid future pitfalls that could destroy their business. That's the person that wants to work with me. That's my client. Mm, I love that. And I appreciate you kind of highlighting, you know, what you do and who you're for and who you serve, because that, that helps paint a picture. Um, but I don't think people, you know, realize, and I think if you're, you know, international, you do, that there's a lot of implications that come with, you know, coming into another country when you're not visiting and, and, and you're, you're looking to establish yourself. Can you talk about the type of ways that, let's say, a Canadian who's listening, because I know we have a, a, a large listener base who's back home in Canada who's listening, who's like, you know what, like, maybe it's a snowbird or maybe it's a passive income or maybe it's actually coming into the U.S. And but how do I get in? Because I know that there's, you know, there's multiple. I know there's NAFTA for obviously Canadians, but there's also maybe you talk to me about how some of those visas can actually also be, you know, not as beneficial as some of the ones that you offer. You're able to not that you offer visas, but the ones you're able to help your clients get. So why don't you talk a little bit about the options that maybe, um, again, specifically Canadians might be uh, looking at, and if not even international, I know that, again, we have a good listenership with Canadians, but what are some of the options that I can look at when I'm thinking of coming into the country and I am an investor or I would like to become an investor? What are my options? So thanks for the question. Um, first of all, I will say that Canadians do have kind of a special status. We don't have easier green cards or easier visas but we do have access to all the visas pretty much except asylum, which people are asking me about all the time now from Canada. Nope, that's not available. But um, I, I actually originally came in under NAFTA and I had H-1Bs and I was a worker, you know, an employee and I got my green card through employment. My employer sponsored me and then I became a citizen. That is not the best way to do it, especially for those that don't have an advanced degree. Okay, I'm a lawyer, so it was a little easier for me. But if you want to have control of your destiny, and until I became a green card holder, I really had no control over what I was doing. I was not an entrepreneur. I did not have my own business. I worked for somebody else. And that's what the work visas allow. What I like for people that are entrepreneurial or want to be or want to be in the real estate business is to focus on an investor visa as an option. And that investor visa then gives you the control. You're in the driver's seat. Now, there is such a thing as how to immigrate through real estate, which is actually my signature program, but it's not easy. And it's not like you just buy one or two single family homes and you're done. It doesn't even matter if you spend $10 million on each of them. 
because what you need to do is you need to have a business in the US. So passive investment, which is what real estate investing is generally about, is never going to pave a path to an immigration visa, okay? You have to be actively involved in running a business. You have to show that you need boots on the ground. So our superpower is in transitioning a passive real estate investor into an active real estate business owner. And that's what will pave the path for you to not only invest, but also potentially obtain a visa. Now, it's important to understand, even for Canadians, that it is not business as usual when you cross borders to invest. Just because we, let's say Joe down the street here, sets up a limited, sets up a limited liability company does not mean that you as a Canadian that is still maintaining Canadian tax residency should follow suit. And way too many Canadians do that. They set up an LLC, they go online, they do some cheap and cheerful LLC for a couple of bucks, and let me tell you what's going to happen. And I'm not a tax expert and I want to be very clear. I have a tax expert on my team. Okay. I don't do anything without the tax experts blessing. Literally. I, I really don't. Um, but what's important to understand is if you set up that LLC, you're going to probably be subject to double taxation. Why? Because Canada does not recognize limited liability companies. It's a disregarded entity. It's a complicated legal thing. We're not going to talk about, but basically if you add in a layer, you might not have that double taxation problem. But don't just set it up because it looks good or your brother did it or your friend did it or whatever, because everybody's tax situation is different. And it also is going to, the fact of whether or not you're going to be potentially getting a visa is also going to impact the structure. So you need to really think about your short and long-term goals from the get-go and create a strategy around them. So I work with a lot of people, Ruben, that are just setting up because they don't ever want to move, or maybe they don't think they do, but they still need to have that proper setup, that tax guidance, that legal guidance, structure set up, you know, whatever the entities are in, in whatever states they're investing in. And then if you'd like to also pursue a visa, that's a whole other division. And you can possibly do it with a complementary business, such as a property management franchise or some other franchise in the real estate realm. So, it's really a matter of not trying to do things, not trying to cut corners and do things, you know, just like we see people going um, off market deals, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Rather than going through realtors or they try to go and find FISBOs for sale by owner if they're doing single family. Listen, there's a reason that the people aren't working with realtors. So you're, every time I've seen clients or walk clients through off market deals, they fall apart at some point because you're not, being represented by professionals. It's the same when you're dealing with investing across borders. Hmm. I love, I love what you said about, you know, highlighting the difference between, you know, coming in, uh, earning a work visa through work. Uh, Cause from what I'm, from what I've heard and, and what people are most familiar with is just that uh, the new concept that you bring, like, you know, immigration through real estate or through business is something that I think, you know, our listener base needs to understand. Can you talk about um, the difference maybe between the, the job employment uh, visas versus the business and also real estate? And you made it very clear, by the way, that this real estate would need to be active, but just maybe give a little bit of a, a, a contrast between the two, because 
I know we, you and I have been there and I think it's important for, for people to see the other side because not too many people hear of people starting maybe businesses or maybe have an existing business that they want to extend in the US. What does that look like? So there's a few problems with the job op- option. One of the biggest ones is that there's a limit to what visas are available. Even if you're going under NAFTA, for example, you have to be in, a, in, a, in certain categories. There's not a lot of categories that are available. Um, and then you have to get a job offer. And you have to have, have a sponsor that's willing to write that job offer as a sponsor. Now, let me tell you that I have a lot of people coming to me on a daily basis asking about getting jobs. And I have some amazing colleagues who are recruiters and they can't work with people that are looking for sponsors because it's very challenging to get a sponsor, okay? On top of that, if you get a sponsor, what if the job doesn't work out, okay? Then suddenly you and your family are gone, bye-bye. You can't just, I mean, yeah, you can find another job, but then you have to go through the process again, or sometimes there's substitute or replacement, but you have no control. And for those of us that especially are real estate investors, isn't that really because you want to have more control over your destiny? So why would you then give that control up to get a job or replace your job? And then not only have you be dependent on the employer for your income, but also for your status. Because if the employment ends, so does your visa. Okay. So if you set up to invest and you're only looking at an investment outside of the real estate market, like in in a small business or a franchise, we love franchises, by the way, of around 100,000. And in real estate, you're looking at about 250 to 300 out of pocket. So for around 100,000, you can own a business, run that business, hire people and create your own destiny. I don't know about you, but to me and Ruben, I know that sounds a whole lot better than having someone else be in control of your destiny. Hmm. So that's very interesting because in, in you've mentioned this a few times and I, I try to be very cognizant of, you know, the, the keywords and, and, and some gems that you drop, because I think it's important for us to just, you know, highlight those. So one obviously is control, which again, a lot of us listening to this is we want that control. Right. Um, and so we understand, okay, one avenue is meant to be, okay, very job dependent, job specific. And to your point, I was almost getting the goosebumps because I've been there, all uh, right, of, of a job ending earlier than the visa term. And then you needed to read, uh, it's just, it's just it's a, a whole nightmare. process. Uh, you don't want to deal with it. Especially now because everything's backlogged. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, and, and I just went through this as well. So um, so the other option, and I thought it was fascinating when you, you brought this up to me and you, you know, we made a few connections offline as well as franchisees. This is key because I talk about this all the time and I'm part of masterminds for people buying proofs of concept, the way this podcast is a proof of concept, but I want to hear it from you. Why franchise? Why is that the lowest hanging fruit? Why is that maybe a better option rather than a startup? Yeah, lots of reasons. Okay, franchises are turnkey. The government loves franchises. They don't love startups because there's, they, they like them because there's risk and your money is supposed to be at risk when you're investing in a business. Franchises are models that the government understands. Now remember, whoever is reviewing your, your application is a government employee and they're not, they don't understand everything about your business. Okay, so they're reading this business plan that we write, maybe they're reading it, maybe, and they're just checking off boxes for franchises. For the most part, those boxes are almost pre-checked 
because they know you're investing in a proven, like you said, proven concept that has some type of track record. Okay. And that's really important because at the end of the day, that is going to build the credibility of what you're investing in. So they franchises give you brand support, marketing support, training support. Look, no matter what you think, and Canadians think it's business as usual in the U.S., don't we, Ruben? <laughs> and Absolutely. it's not, is it? It's not. Yeah, no. Until you're here, you don't know. So what I say to my clients is you have so much to think about when you're moving your family. Okay, I, when I moved, I was, a sing, I was single. I didn't have any children. I didn't have a partner at the time. So it was just me to worry about. But when you're married and or have a family, there's a whole lot more at stake than just you and your livelihood. So you have to think about that when you're making the decision. And it's really not that easy to adjust to life. Yeah, it's nice to be in Florida, let's say, where it's warm and you're like, oh, I don't want to deal with the snow anymore. Yeah, all those things are nice, but you still have to live your life. And I say, you've got enough to deal with. Why add to it by creating a startup business that has inherent risk? Now, that doesn't mean you couldn't own a piece of a startup as a, you know, as long as you're not taking employment income from it, you're allowed to own other business interests and real estate for that matter. But you should, I always like franchises because they're so easy to run and there's so much support. And I just say, why reinvent the wheel? Absolutely. And that's why we're here. Um, question uh, on that, Lauren, is it, you know, is there a certain amount that your business has to gross or a certain amount that you need to have? Is it, you know, three people and, you know, and staffed, is it, can you have contractors? Do they need to be employees? Could they be on 1099s? Do they have to be W2s? Like what are some of those, you know, again, I'm sending, I'm sending you down the road of speaking to an expert and we have one here, but I want to just hear the level of, of things you need to factor into this decision as you're thinking about, oh, this sounds like a neat idea. Would you be able to drop some insight on that, Lauren? So when you are on an investor visa or any type of visa for that matter, generally speaking, you want to hire people because you want to show that you have, you're creating some type of economic impact. And hiring people, sometimes it will include 1099s, but we like to see at least some employees, Okay. Now I have eight people working for me and none of them are employees. From time to time, I'll bring in an employee if I, but you know, I, I give them their freedom, flexibility, but I also am not, my, my visa, I don't have a visa and I'm not, my business isn't dependent on that visa. So you should ideally hire between two and five employees over a five-year period. Now, sometimes some of them could be part-time, some full-time, some, some independent contractors, but I don't really love to see companies that don't have at least a few employees in their business plan. Now, the business plan is a five-year business plan generally. So what happens over those five years, look, let's, think, let's be honest, two and a half years ago, somebody would have written a business plan to get a visa. They didn't really plan for COVID to happen, right? <laughs> so true. things change. So yeah. now for people that are doing renewals during the time of COVID, they have to acknowledge those changes and say how they dealt with them. What did you do to pivot and so on? So I think it's not a, an easy answer and it really does depend. Now, in the past, up until COVID, you could not get an E2 unless you had an office and a physical office, bricks and mortar. 
Now it's possible because they realized, I mean, there was no choice. Like we didn't have, we couldn't go to the office, right? So it opened their eyes. Now, remember, the government is a little slow to respond to changes. changes. <laughs> but I'll give you an example of a huge change that is happening today. Now, I don't, this is not airing today. So this is March 14th of 2022. And this huge change is there's a program called EB-5. I don't know if you know of it, Ruben. EB-5 is a program where people basically invest a certain amount of money and create 10 new permanent full-time jobs in correlation to that investment and obtain a green card. Until today, that amount is 500,000 and a million, depending on the location. As of, I think, 4 p.m. today, that amount is changing to 800,000 and 1.05 million. Why 1.05? I don't know. It's kind of an unusual number. Could have been 1.1, but it's 1.05. So um, it's very, I, I just had, a, I, I did six um, green cards over the past two weeks with people that wanted to get in as quickly as possible and avoid that change. This change was only formally finalized on, I think, Friday or Thursday. Guess what? We had a client that we just processed and we're going to get their application in on time before the amount changes, uh, before 4 p.m. Eastern today, 3 p.m. Central, I believe. So it's been a crazy weekend. But wow. um, that that's just the, in the, you know, you're dealing with an, uh, an area of law that is constantly changing and it's changing based on a lot of politics and a lot like this is part of the omnibus bill, which is going through today as soon as Biden signs it. Right. It's signed by both houses already. So immigration is an ever changing area. And yeah. honestly, what my answers are today could be different than my answers in a month from now. Yeah. But for the most part, the non-immigrant visa processing remains relatively consistent other than timelines and queues because of COVID again, which held up everything. We'll be right back. Experimentation. I always experiment. And the reason why is I'm always trying to find the best tool, the best method, and the best vehicle to help me get to my end goal. One of the tools that we use in the short-term rental space is Guesty for Hosts. Now, Experimentation, you know that I love to test things and I wouldn't be sharing with you anything that I don't use myself. As a short-term rental super host, Airbnb super host, listings that we own and co-host at the same time, I can tell you that there's no better software that allows us to streamline our business right now currently there's actually three properties right now that are currently where guests are checking in and i'm here with you and i did not need to send in check-in instructions for this for these current properties right there are multiple ways that you can streamline your operation from on the front end and on the back end from being able to create a website from being able to get income reports for your team to looking at statistics to setting up auto reviews to integrating your smart lock so that you don't have to sit here and send every day and remind yourself to send the, the passcodes for your smart locks. No, instead you can integrate directly the exact same way that you can actually send your cleaners a link so that they don't have to remind themselves uh, when they need to go to cleanings. There's text reminders that go out. There's links that can go out for them. This is a tool that if you're looking to give a smooth experience for your team on the back end, it will truly reflect and it does for your guests on the front end. Make sure you go to host.guesty.com and 
use our unique link. Our unique link will be in our bio in the show notes. If you're currently watching this, you'll see it right here at the bottom of my screen. Use this unique link so that you can tell Guesty that I sent you. You don't want to miss out on this. You need a PMS property management software in your business. If you're looking to operate like a super host that you deserve to be so that your guests can have the best experience that they deserve to have at your properties. Again, that hosts.guesty.com use our unique link that is here on the screen in the bio and in the show notes. If you're listening to this guys, happy hosting. Got it. No, I appreciate that. And such a serendipity, right? On, on this day that we're, we're recording the episode uh, for this to happen. So just so far, uh, I always like to leave our audience with some tactical, um, almost like table of content. So you can dive deeper and obviously we'll have some resources that Lauren can provide. But, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the beginning and some Canadians, you know, or whoever may have heard of, you know, the TN visas and, and, and which has multiple, uh, uh, or I guess work, um, what would categories. you call it? Categories within those, uh, within that. And I think there's about 60 or so. Uh, but what you, you just talked about one EB5, I don't know, there's E2, there's LE1 or L1. And can you just really quick, just give some, some, some big, I guess, pros, cons, maybe of each of them, or actually just give us some insight as to what might, what they might be from your experience and what you think is, again, all circumstances are different, but which one you, you see has the best kind of conversion and, and, and as to why that might be just for our audience. So we have some kind of reference there. Yeah. So it's going to be hard for me to summarize these. I'm going to mm-hmm. give you a resource to share. Um, E2 and E1 are based Mm -hmm. on treaty. E2 is treaty investor visa. E1 is treaty trader visa. Based on treaty means it's a bilateral treaty between the U.S. and the investor or beneficiary's home country, like Canada, Mm -hmm. um, most European countries, Mexico, Argentina, Colombia, but not Brazil, not Russia, not India, not China, not South Africa. So anyway, the point is, that if there's no treaty, then there's no E2 or, or E1 available. L1 is an intracompany transfer of a senior executive or manager. That does not require that you own the company. It mm-hmm. requires that there be common ownership between the foreign branch and the US branch. It could be a subsidiary, it could be an affiliate. And they also cannot come if you're the only em- employee at the foreign company. It has to be a substantial business. Now, E2 and E1 do not need to lead directly to green cards, although there are some creative ways, so that's about working with us. But an L1 does. However, L1s are often challenged because, and and you also initially generally get a year, and then it's up to seven years total, whereas E2 and E1 are unlimited renewals, usually five years every time. Um, The H1B is an advanced degree visa, which you can get for up to four years, Um, but it's a lottery based. And I think that the, well, it's March 14th and they're closing the doors on that as they do each year on April 1st. So the TN is based on meeting, uh, being in a certain category. If you're from Mexico or Canada, you can be in one of these categories and qualify. And it's really the most simple process. And I believe now it's up, it's up to three years renewable. Whereas when I did it, it was every year I would have to go and renew it. It was a total headache. Um, and there is no direct path to a green card from a TN. It's completely temporary. 
from an H1B, there is a path. That's actually how I did it. I did an H1B and then a green card. So that's how I did it. Um, then there's EB1A, EB1, EB1C, EB2, <laughs> and the EB5 that I mentioned. So EB1A is an extraordinary ability. It means that you satisfy certain criteria to qualify to as an a person with extraordinary ability, generally like a professor or a researcher or something like that. Or like athletes or, and stuff? Yes, or, correct. Yeah? Athletes okay. and, and authors and uh, like that. Yes. Now an O1 can also be an athlete or an author or um, an actor or something and, you know, uh, an entertainer. And, and, and you're making is, a case for yourself when you're doing those, right? Like you really have to present yes, like, okay, best time seller. Right. Like mm -hmm. you're really promoting. I mean, it's, a, it's yeah. interesting. Okay. Wow. Yeah. You have to meet the criteria and then EB2, which is actually how I got my green card. I take it back. It was not H1B to green card. I was on an H1B. I was in the process of doing a green card and it was taking forever. So I said to my lawyer, cause I didn't do it at the time. I said to my lawyer who I still work with, I think we should switch this because I was on some kind of appeal and it was like literally taking forever. I was so frustrated. And he said, no, you're not going to qualify. I said, yes, I am. And guess what I did. So EB2 is a national interest waiver. So the, the, the EB1, EB2, EB5, what the one, two and five are is preference. That means you're in a certain queue. EB1 is the top, EB2, EB, right, right. And EB stands for employment-based. Employment-based, first preference, second preference, fifth preference. Third preference is agricultural workers. Fourth preference is, um, I can't remember, but I've never even done one. So it's, I, oh goodness, I totally forget. But anyway, that's basically, I sent you a link in the chat for that. a download about all of visas that basically is like a little cute little thing that shows you what each visa like um, a, a little graphic that shows you what each visa requires. Excellent. I, I really appreciate that. And I know our listeners will as well. If you're driving, keep your hands on a wheel. It'll be in the show notes for sure. And uh, one thing I want to just transition into before we wrap up is I want to talk about what you talked about before, which is your specialty. And I think it really resonate with Experiment Nation. It's about um, you know, immigrating via real estate, right? And you talk about property management, a uh, question for, for you is, is what about, you know, can someone come in if maybe they're, you're going to do a syndication, um, no. um, multifamily. Ooh. Okay. Awesome. Why is that? I'm just curious. Uh, Cause I think a lot of our, our listeners might be, is it just a, it's, it's just completely different. Uh, it's not considered a company or could you not have a company that does some syndication and would you establish the company first then have that leg just so uh, we're clear on, you know, what you can or cannot do. That was a very hard note too, Lauren. Gosh, what yeah, happened <laughs> So you cannot, the reason yeah. you cannot invest in a syndication is because what is a syndication by nature? Passive. Oh, I'm so sorry. Can you become a general partner? Yes, that's a different story. Excellent. So if you okay, develop the syndication and you're the yeah. one raising the money, potentially, yeah. yes, that could qualify because it's a business. Okay. Different if you're an investor. Sorry if that's what you meant, but yeah. Yeah, no. And a that's lot right. of people come to me and say, "Can I buy stock in this company?" No. Can I no, invest no. in this syndication? This active, no. active investing. Okay. Yeah. So for real estate, the government doesn't love investing through real estate because you're getting a tangible asset, and they want your money to be at risk. So what we have to do is make sure that you buy enough real estate to qualify that to like Airbnbs, multifamily, mixed use, stuff like that is much better than any single family ever will be. And also 
having, you know, using the, the um, having to hire people to run these businesses is a big part. So if you're investing in a couple of single family homes, you really don't need a groundskeeper. But if you're buying two or three apartment buildings, you might need a groundskeeper and a logistics person and a superintendent and a whatever, right? Mm. So it's about figuring out who do you realistically need to hire um, to bring this from a passive investment to an active business. And that's important. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really, that's a really good point. And I think that's really going to resonate. And I, to your point, uh, I think we understand we've had a lot of multi multi-family syndicators come on as general partners. You have limited partners. You want to make sure from what I heard that you're the GP who's, you know, hiring the property management or maybe keeping it in-house if you want, that would probably serve you well right. to have it in-house to better. then being able to pay. Again, there's, there's so many different things where you're operating like a real business. So I think that's super key. Uh, you know, can I up. add something, Ruben? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to absolutely. invite you yeah. to join us. So mm-hmm. my, my colleague, um, who's in Calgary and I, she's a, she runs a company called Creative Real Estate Academy, and she's been mm-hmm. doing real estate investing cross borders for a while. So she and I actually developed something called strategic real estate investing in a box. And basically what it is, is it's teaching Canadians mainly how to invest in US real estate and get a visa as a part of it. So it's a business in a box. And we teach you who to hire, when to hire them, how to do your first investment. We walk you through the investments. We find you the deals. It's literally in a box. Now, why does that work? It would seem passive, but it's not. We're just showing you how to run your real estate business as a business. And that business on on its own can qualify for the visa. You guys might need to start your franchise, Lauren. I don't know. This is that might be. I'm good... not franchising it yet, but yes, I know. <laughs> that might be a nice little upsell there to to what you got going on. Um, that's neat. Uh, yeah, I would love more information on that. That that's super neat. Um, let's talk about uh, you know, it's tax season is coming up. Um, you know, let's talk about the elephant in the room. We talk about double taxations, etc. I know you're not. Again, you hire and you have someone on your team who's a tax expert, and so we're not gonna you know talk about per se that the strategies but what is the what have you seen as a big overlook i think you stated this in the beginning i want to really want to bring it home about getting double taxed and things that people are making the biggest mistakes on again from your experience working with your team and the tax experts that you have that we should keep in mind when we're working with a company like yours of things that we should really consider if we're looking to invest in the states yeah, so the the most important thing I think that you can do for yourself is not just mm-hmm. go online and set up entities and structure that like you see people doing um, or go on some, you know, one of those cre- cheap and cheerful set up your business sites because you're going to set it up wrong. Um, that's one of the biggest mistakes people make is thinking that if they have an LLC, they're going to be able to invest and get tax benefits and you're not. Um, additionally, uh, there's a lot of companies, I work with a couple that lend specifically to Canadians investing in non-owner occupied U.S. real estate, and they require you to have an entity. Don't just set up that entity because they require you to have it without speaking to a lawyer and a tax advisor, because you will end up doing it wrong and end up paying the CRA or the IRS or both. Because they communicate from what I understand, right? Pardon me? They communicate the IRS. Oh, they talk. I mean, they yeah. may not talk every day, but they talk. <laughs> it's money. Why not? Just enough. Yeah, let's, let's see what we can do. Oh, that's so awesome. 
I mean, uh, Lauren, I can't thank you enough for, you know, coming in here. I, I think what we really want to do here is plant the seed. Uh, what you're showing here is obviously there's a lot of, you know, uh, you know, uh, structures and pillars that you got to put into your business. And, and I love what you said is understanding your end goal, which is what it really comes down to fundamentally, understanding where you're going, what the end goal is, and then reverse engineer and finding, again, professionals like you who are able to uh, you know, call out some of those blind spots and highlight those for you to be properly structured to move forward to leverage again. Um, you know, what's what's it existing today? The, the infrastructure or the opportunities that exist around investing businesses and investing in real estate to making your way uh, out of uh, into the country. Uh, is there a question that you wished I would have asked you that I didn't ask that you feel is just, mm, Ruben, I wish I could get this out there, but you didn't give me the opportunity. Is there anything, Lauren, that comes to mind that, that we didn't cover today that you think could really serve our audience? Why should you move to the U.S.? Mm. Why should one move to the U.S.? I don't know. I'm asking you. I'm throwing the question at you. Ha ha. <laughs> you did it. Okay, mm -hmm. I'll, I'm going to tell you something that really, I think, is very relevant right now. When I was little, my parents used to talk about moving to Florida. They never did anything about it. They talked about it. You know, we used to come every year. We used to drive down, three days of driving. Yeah, it was interesting. I would, couldn't survive that right now. I can barely survive driving to Orlando. <laughs> the point is that it's a lot easier than you think. Okay, it's a lot easier to invest in US real estate, get better cap rates than in Canada, have a great opportunity for return, have lots of opportunities to build and leverage your business, and potentially to get an immigration visa to live and work here. Now, why would you do that? Well, some people get their visas and don't even want to come move, move to the US. So the advantages of getting a visa are you get a social security number, you get to build your U.S. credit, you get to, you know, do all the things that are as if you were in the U.S. and you have the freedom to go back and forth as you choose. So it's an insurance policy in your pocket. And that's really what it comes down to. I love that. That's the word that I got from you when you first told me the insurance policy that you're creating for yourself, which, um, again, is, is you never know. All right, things change really quickly, and 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 again, the advantages and the inventory that we see here is very different product. So, uh, Lauren, uh, I I definitely want to give you a big thanks. Uh, listen, I you have tons of resources that we are going to include in the show notes. Click in the link below. I mean, there's investing across borders, visa avatars. There's the 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 steps to follow embarking on the U.S. Uh, real estate. There's the free resources from the E2 steps required to uh, being able to even reach out to Lauren to ask her questions if, if you need to. And, and again, possibly uh, being able to join her team. She's very selective in who she works with, rightfully so, uh, because she's uh, looking to work uh, with those who are serious. And obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're very serious and you're um, very um, very focused on where you want to go. So Lauren, is there where else you know, besides all the resources that you give, we want to also give back to you and bring traffic your way, give you a follow or whatever the case might be, subscribe to your podcast, get your book. Where else can we tune in and find out more about what you're doing? So uh, our listeners have some very clear call to actions here. Pretty much everything we do is branded around investing across borders, investingacrossborders.net. We also have realestateacrossborders.com where you can find out about our programs. And we just launched a course 
realestateacrossborders.com backslash IAB series. That's IAB standing for investing cross borders. So everything mm -hmm. is housed on that site in terms of our landing pages. And you can find us anywhere. Um, we have Facebook, a Facebook group. We're very big on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok. Again, all around investing across borders. And I also, as I mentioned to Ruben right before we started, I just recently built, or we, I, I didn't build it, just saying, um, a bot so that you can go and ask your questions there. And it's really easy. It's seamless. You go in and if there's additional questions that the bot doesn't have the answers to, it send, they send it to us and we respond. And that's asklaurenesq.com, asklaurenesq.com. It's fun. And uh, people have, I've, we've been getting some rave reviews about it. So hopefully you'll give it a shot. That's amazing. That's really neat. I love that. I, I know we talked about it in the beginning, but it's really neat you being able to kind of offer that as a resource for people and, and then you're able thank to you. connect with you. So good for you, Lauren. Thank you so much for stepping in the lab. Pleasure. Guys, thank you. All the resources are here. Uh, keep your hands on the wheel. We'll make sure we'll include all of those there for you. And just like that, we are out. If you're a real estate professional, a real estate agent, a real estate investor, a lender, a multifamily syndicator, a contractor, you name it, and you're looking to grow your online presence, but you have no idea how to get started or simply don't have the time, at Invested Talent, we help real estate professionals extend their current business to social media. Why is this important? Without this, you wouldn't be listening to this show and your own host, Ruben Kanya and his team would not have done deals they've done today. As a matter of fact, social media has helped us keep this show together, which now exceeds a billion dollars worth of real estate from our guests collectively. That's right. Our reputation, opportunities, partnerships, and most importantly, real estate transactions were started directly from social media. If you're a real estate professional and you lack an existence on a media platform, invested talent can help. Simply go to investedtalent.com forward slash social media and make sure you click the get in touch button to get in touch with our team. Again, that's investedtalent.com forward slash social media and get in touch with our team. You focus on being the brand and we'll help you build it. Now, if you know anything about the lab, you know that we like to give practical advice. So if you feel that this podcast was of any value to you, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes by going directly to the podcast app from the show's page, scroll all the way down and leave us a review. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment. Lastly, and most importantly, share this episode with a friend you feel will benefit this episode the most. Remember, there's a you and I in build. Let's build, y'all.